and welcome to episode 99 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I look to the future with Disney, then time travel back to the 80s and flip some pancakes. How you doing tonight, Trevor? I'm doing good. 99 problems in a podcast ain't one, man. Yeah, I know. It's been a good week. I was on vacation last week, and then we got Game of Thrones. We got the Mar- uh, Infinity War Endgame coming up this weekend. So much good stuff. Yep, and conveniently enough, Endgame ties right into Disney. And so since we weren't on last week, we get to talk about Disney Plus this week. And in case you haven't heard about it, or even if you have, we'll offer our hot takes on it. So the main idea is that you get... Disney's awesome catalog, which also includes Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, plus National Geographic and other Fox items, plus, of course, their own Disney films, all for $7 a month. It's launching in November. No commercials. You know, it's ad free, all that seven bucks a month. And that includes every Star Wars movie, though. Those are going to be like a year out at launch. We're going to have all the Marvel films, all the Pixar films, plus they're going to launch new shows tied into the Marvel Universe and the Star Wars Universe. So we have uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, we have Vision and Scarlet Witch, and then we have The Mandalorian. And there's just a lot of excitement around the future shows, and that doesn't count just all the everything that Disney has available in one streaming platform for $7 a month, or you can get it for $70 for the full year. If you know you're going to have it for the full year, might as well get that discount. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically, Disney just came out of the gate and they threw down the affinity gauntlet and said, (laughs) Netflix, Apple, we don't care what you're bringing. We got this awesome price and we have content people really want to see. So I was super excited. I was shocked that this was only going to be $6.99 a month or $5.83 a month if you do that prepay for everything, which I am definitely doing. Yeah. But it like there's so much awesome coming content and not to mention just all the other stuff they're putting all if you're a simpsons fan all 30 seasons of the simpsons it's at launch is going to be on here they did say there's going to be certain stipulations so disney still has that 30 percent or whatever they have of hulu so they have way more than that is it more than that or there is 60 percent when okay, they acquired so Fox, and then oh, they got right. yeah, another ten yeah, percent yeah. right now this past week because they made a deal with AT and T for Warner's part of the thing. So now they have seventy percent. So they have that whole other outlet. So what they've already said is they're not putting R-rated content on this Disney Plus service. It's going to be family friendly. Mm-hmm. So they have another outlet for putting other content on and they already there was some t- series that they already said that they were going to shift to that i forget what it was but uh it, they have this other outlet so this is all going to be family friendly stuff and the just the upcoming catalog i was way more excited about all their content than i was about the apple plus or whatever you want to call it, apple tv plus their offerings upcoming we didn't even get to see anything this we didn't get to see anything but they gave descriptions but it's known things 
that we are excited about. And within the Marvel Universe, I am just all those shows sounded amazing. They have other stuff for families like they're going to have a behind the scenes for the making of Frozen 2, like a whole documentary. If you're interested in that, they have a Phineas and Ferb movie coming with all of the original voice cast. So they have so many things they can just go to to build new content, new series, new movies, just a wealth of stuff that you know you're going to get your money's worth and it's cheap as anything going forward for years to come. And I think they at Star Wars Celebration, they showed the first 10 minutes of The Mandalorian. That's one probably they had the most kind of hype for it. And just a whole Outer Rim style story on the bounty hunter ideas and then you build into everything that Sabine Wren has established on Rebels and you have some really interesting live action stuff with John Favreau heading the idea and so that one is definitely getting some excitement but then like you said those Marvel ones there's also the Black Widow and the Loki ones that are coming too and it's really it's such a contrast to the Apple TV one just because Apple starting from scratch. And even if Disney wasn't creating all of this new content, they have the back catalog. That's what we talked about when we talked about Apple. They have no back catalog. And Disney, it's like, oh, you want to watch Star Wars Episode 4? How about Star Wars Episode 7? You want to watch Infinity War? Or you want to watch Iron Man 2 or whatever? You can just put those on while you're waiting for our new shows to come out. And then they have that constant slew of new shows. Like even I think they're having the live action version of Lady and the Tramp go straight to Disney Plus. It's going to skip theaters. So they're really highlighting and positioning this to be their future. Uh, right. And they've also, uh, the, well, there's a couple of interesting aspects of this. So you have Disney CEO Bob Iger is on the Apple board. Yep. So it, like, they say that they're really like a Netflix competitor. And they're going to be pulling all of this content. As far as I'm aware, it's not going directly to Netflix now. It's going to be on this service. If you want to watch these, they're the Marvel movies once they're out on digital, unless you're purchasing them, assuming they'll still have them on like Apple and other outlets to buy them. But if you want to stream them, you're going to be streaming them on their service because that's where they want to put them. Uh, Netflix won't have it. Netflix already dumped all of their uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe TV series. So any of that content is all going to end up on this Disney Plus. But now you have Bob Iger sitting on the Apple board. They kind of said that they're a Netflix competitor, but really they're an Apple competitor as well. So eventually something's going to break here. And he's saying he's not stepping down. He's still going to be on the board. But I don't know. There seems to be eventually a conflict unless some kind of a merger happens where basically Apple realizes we don't have a shot at this and basically sells their content. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out down the road. It's funny because Apple and Disney have never competed before because Apple's making tech. And they're making, you know, services that don't go into the entertainment area that Disney excels at. And so this is the first time there's any kind of overlap or potential conflict of interest. But then on the flip side, Disney Plus is a much bigger portion of Disney's future than Apple TV Plus is to Apple. It could completely fail for Apple and people are still they're going to sell millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of iPhones and tens of millions of iPads and Macs. That's never going to change based on how Apple TV Plus does. And so I, I don't think that's why I don't think Bob Iker really 
like say they're bidding, I guess, on J.J. Abrams' new project. He's making a TV show based on the Star Wars universe that could, you know, potentially go to Apple, but it's going to go to Disney because it's Star Wars. Or say it's not Star Wars based, and then, you know, they both bid on him to create a new show, and he picks Apple over Disney. Does that create the conflict? Is it some eventual show or movie or project that they're both bidding on and Apple wins out? Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's probably where things are going to end up because, well, I kind of disagree with you a little bit about Apple not having like going to be impacted if this thing fails. I think this is where they have to go at this point, because all the sales of the devices are people aren't buying these things as quickly and as they they're expensive they're much more expensive so people aren't buying them as often as they were so well, the no, money not entirely true it's just not growth it's pretty stagnant but stagnant isn't necessarily bad it's bad on the stock market but it's not bad for apple's bottom line but they need to have other sources of revenue i mean even just this this price apple wise on the disney pretty plus impressive. but the the disney plus pricing this is going to this is going to dictate what Apple has to do at this point because there's no way they can charge more than six ninety nine a month for the little bit of content that they have compared to what Disney is offering for the same price unless right, that, they do bundles. That that's what I was wondering. That maybe Bob Iger told Tim Cook he's like, you, "We know you're having your event in March. Well, in April we're going to announce Disney Plus, and it's going to be seven bucks. So maybe hold off on the price until you get get that finalized. See all that we're doing. You know, maybe here's a little hat tip from Disney to you guys. <laughs> of I, I I like what you guys are doing, but we obviously have more content than you and more of a following for our brands than you. Right, and obviously Netflix didn't get the message when they decided to just raise their prices. Hey, right. guess what, guys? You're offering this nice low service. We're going to raise our prices. I don't know. I almost half expected Netflix to come back and say, guess what? We're not raising our prices. We're going to keep them where they were. But I don't know. This is going to it's going to end up becoming a price war. I mean, obviously, Disney announced this. This price is going to be good for at least a year before they ever update it uh, because people are buying in for this one year price. But I don't know. It'd be curious to see if the others start to drop prices or what they do to compete or people start dropping some of these other services. I mean, even this week, uh, YouTube TV, finally, the channels that I said I always wanted, HGTV and Food Network, finally, these Discovery Networks all get added. Then they raise the price. So now they're up to 50 bucks a month, but they offer, they're basically like a cable replacement. But you get their premium content, their original content for free when you subscribe to that service. But to keep it Apple related, I did notice that YouTube TV actually charges more when you're subscribing through Apple to offset Apple's 30% take. So they charge you five bucks more a month if you're paying through iTunes. So, I, you know, I'm curious. on the, the flip side of that, since Disney owns Hulu, they own a 70 percent share. The only person holding out is Comcast. And I figure they're going to launch their own thing and just bow to Hulu. Eventually, Hulu has a live TV option. So maybe Disney does something in that, like, you know, rein it in to give you a bundled price. If you have Disney Plus, you get a discount on Hulu live TV or something. Yeah, it could be. I mean, they also already have that that deal with Spotify for you get Hulu, the the cheap Hulu for free when you have Spotify premium. Mm -hmm. So 
they could even compete with their own music and TV. They compete right with Apple bundle. Music. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this is going to be a very interesting space to watch going forward. And again, that would be another area where Bob Iger is kind of competing directly with Apple if if that's the case. So I don't know. It's this is really where things are headed. I think these are going to be the big players. Like, does someone else bun, group up? Does Apple team up with Netflix? Do they try to do something to get more content? Like, do they? I I don't know. I they, they just don't have a lot of content, and this only makes them look worse in my in my eyes, at least. But I don't know. This is this is going to be really interesting over the coming years. So the Disney Plus doesn't even start until November twelfth, I believe it mm -hmm. all launches. So yep. we there's some time, but obviously Apple at some point is going to have to announce their pricing in the fall, and. Uh, then we'll see. And maybe they'll have an updated slate of content and we'll find out if it's all dropping weekly, if it's like one of these light a binge or how it's going to be set up. And Apple also has to deal with finalizing what bundles idea. If I sign up for Apple News Plus and Apple Arcade and Apple Music and Apple TV Plus, how much is that going to set me back, Apple? And that <laughs> that's really kind of... So Disney... They're not going to compete on game side and they're not going to compete on the news side. But the connection to Spotify through Hulu is really interesting. But even taken as itself, people are always going to compare. OK, I'm paying 13, 14 dollars for Netflix. And now Disney Plus is seven dollars. Apple, where are you charging? Say you charge seven dollars. You're just like Disney. Well, you have a lot less stuff. Say you charge ten dollars because all your other services are ten dollars. Now you're way behind. And then say you cut it down to five dollars. Well, now you spent a billion dollars on this original programming. How long is it going to take you to make that back? So Apple's in a really, really tough to position. No matter where they go, they're kind of going to lose. Right. And it will. And to go back to the Apple News. So I told you two weeks ago, I signed up for that free trial and I canceled it just a couple of days ago just to make sure I didn't get charged. I never used it <laughs> since we talked about it. Never once even had the inkling to even look at the thing uh, and look at any magazines or anything. So I, unless it's one of these things that comes free or dirt cheap in a bundle, I really don't see people this being a real selling point. It's been kind of a disappointment for people. And I, the only way this thing is going to be successful for Apple is to come up with some kind of a bundle system that makes it look like a bargain. Even the cost is always confusing with me for Apple because I feel like the main idea of offering this services aren't to make money. For Apple, it's to sell devices. Look at the stuff you can have by owning an iPhone or owning an iPad or owning a Mac. I would just have some kind of way when you buy devices, you get months free, some kind of introductory rates or something, because it's really about selling phones and iPads and getting them to more people. And so if this content isn't available outside of that, that makes it more appealing. Like Disney Plus is going to be everywhere. There's no way Disney Plus isn't going to be on the Apple TV. It's no way that's not going to be in the App Store, regardless if it's competition or not. And so to have the idea that our Apple stuff isn't available on your Android phone, you can't watch it on your Windows PC, and you can't show it on your Roku box, that does offer an intrinsic appeal. But then say you take away the cost completely, that's what I was hoping they were going for. So not announcing the price and it all kind of still leaves that possibility open, though I think it's 
low. It's like 1%, less than 10% chance. But still, I think that would be the main way to go. That's why I think that this isn't as important for Apple to succeed in terms of making revenue off of Apple TV+. Plus. Well, they already announced that they're bringing the Apple TV app to Roku. That is going to be a Roku app. So they can't do that. They can't go that right. I mean, that would have made sense where they gave away all of their their Microsoft Word and every their office equivalents. And they gave away iMovie to basically try to draw people in to use their devices and use their their software on those devices. But where they've already announced that they're bringing the Apple TV app to Roku. And there was one other one, maybe the Amazon uh was it the is Fire that, TV? Is that different than the Apple TV Plus, the Apple TV app? Because the Apple TV app is more of a like a UI. I assumed you were going to get the Apple TV app was going to allow you to watch, direct you to watch the content on the Apple TV service. I mean, this is where everything gets so confusing with their dumb naming. Yeah. Like, I assumed it was all going to come through that singular app because they want you to use one app to watch everything. Why wouldn't they put their Apple TV content on there too? Now you're going to go to a separate app to well, watch Well, no, it's Apple a separate tab on the Apple TV. I wonder if they just don't include that tab on other devices. I don't know. If that uh, makes to, sense. To me, they're going to have to go with a subscription service and it's going to have to be on as many platforms as possible to be successful and not force you to use Apple products because none of the other uh, streaming services make you use a certain product. Or, I mean, they're going to do that, obviously, with the gaming service. That makes sense. But that's the differentiator. The thing is, if Apple TV Plus was free for my iPhone, that's a winning selling point over Disney Plus that I can get and access on my computer for $7. I don't have to pay anything because I already own an iPhone. I'm buying a $1,000 iPhone. Right. Well, yeah, if they offered it, but I don't know how they would separate it unless they removed it from these other platforms. But then I think it I don't think it's going to get enough watching. I don't think people are going to use it enough. Like I had the I have news. I had news for a whole month and I didn't touch the stupid thing. I don't think it matters. So there's how many there's over a billion iOS devices that they've sold. I don't know how many currently used. I'm sure it's 250 million or something. You're telling me even if 10%, that's 25 million people? That sounds like a win for Apple. But these are devices that are already out there. Like, it's not necessarily selling new devices. Not no, but that's still it. 25 million makes it worth making the, creating these shows. I guess, but if they're not making any money on them and people aren't buying new devices, they're just watching on devices they already own, then it doesn't really give them anything does it i guess it depends if you have four stops lessons or something right that's what they pretty but how can you say well your device is too old to watch this streaming video content that's not gonna sell like i know apple's in a tough spot they 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 are yeah they should have never went into this this is like their stupid car plan it's just stupid you should scrap it yeah (laughs) But I guess they spent a billion dollars on original programming. I guess they got ripped off on that. If you only came up with 10 shows for a billion dollars, you threw money away. I'm sorry. Unless there's stuff they haven't announced. That's all I can think. Because that is an insane amount of money for such a little amount of content. Right. Like even how much that Lord of the Rings show by Amazon, it costs a bunch. But I don't at least it has that, big yeah. branding. I swear they, it costs like 200 million or something to make. 
But still, these Apple shows don't look that good. But all we got were still frames of silhouettes of the people who are going to be on it. So I don't even know if they're good shows or not. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Disney Plus. $6.99, come in November. Awesome. If you like Star Wars, you like Marvel, you like Disney, you like Pixar, you like Simpsons, you like National Geographic, they got it all. Yep. <laughs> and so... Apple does have the App Store. That's why Apple Arcade is so appealing. <laughs> and there's four new games to talk about this week. The first one is Rusty Pup. And this game has this little kind of robotic dog. He kind of rides like a unicycle. And he's down in the sewers, you know, way down into the pipes and stuff. And he rolls automatically back and forth on these platforms. So essentially, you are controlling the environment. So at some points, you'll have to flip on light switches because he won't roll into the darkness. And then other points, you'll have to create platforms for him to roll across. If he gets to an edge, he won't jump off. And it just kind of builds on that idea where you're just only controlling the environment. The the kind of caveat with that, it's an interesting concept. It's really well designed. It's a great looking game. And there's all narration to go with kind of storytelling. The problem is that he keeps rolling around. If he rolls to an edge, he rolls all the way back to the opposite edge while you're trying to build that platform. And these levels are time-based. And so you can't be like, no, don't go back over that way. I need you to go this way. And that gets super frustrating really quick, especially because there's no way at all to pause him. Say you need to build stairs, and if you don't get there... He drops down into this tube that sends him circling around way back to the start of a level. And as you go through these levels, they become more and more of these contingent upon quick movements of your actions to be able to get within the flow of Rusty Pup. And if you don't, it's quite a time sink to wait until he's lined up again. Yeah, so this one, I had so much trouble getting into this. And part of it was that exact thing you just mentioned, where he's just constantly moving, and if you don't catch him at the right time, then you're forced to wait for him to come back. And I just found, like, the whole thing way too dark. And it, not dark content-wise, but actual light-wise. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just, it was tough to see things on the screen. And this dog does not shut up. And he's kind of got this obnoxious voice, and it just really, I don't know, I really was turned off by this game. I, nothing really appealed to me about the gameplay. I thought was, eh, and like, I just, I don't know, I really didn't enjoy this one. And I don't know, it, may, it just didn't click with me. I think it's just that it was so slow moving. And then the narration. So there's a narrator that tells the whole kind of story and there's an annoying high pitched voice. And it's just annoying narration because that's to speak in rhyming couplets that don't really have any (laughs) kind of connection to the level itself. And just the level designs are. They're not that complex, but it's tedious to get through them. It's not like you're challenged like, oh, how do I get Rusty Pup from point A to point B? It's just. The menu to drag in the platforms to create a bridge, that is terrible UI design. And then flipping the light switches and tapping on the environments, just the first two levels, you don't even know what you can tap and what you can't tap because part of it is showing kind of this intro cutscene. Another part is showing the narration, and you kind of have to wait for them to unfold. It's almost like you're watching a cinematic, but the game doesn't make that clear enough. So you just kind of get into this, oh, is it ready to tap now? Is it not ready to tap? Is this thing tappable? Can I actually interact with this thing? 
And again, there's so few things to interact with. And it's such a simple game, but it's amazingly tedious to get through it. Yeah, so I knew this had to be like a port of a PC title because of that UI. And it was. It was out on the, on Steam before it was ever out on iOS. And it just feels like it was never properly originally designed to be on on a mobile platform. They kind of just brought over the UI from Steam and didn't really think about this this is awkward or this isn't how people play mobile games. And I think that's why it just feels not quite right or not quite ready for mobile. Yep. I, I definitely agree. So that's Rusty Pup and probably the worst part about it is it's six ninety nine. I'm not gonna say paid games shouldn't be paid or anything like that, but it better be awesome for six ninety nine when you're comparing <laughs> to everything else on the app store. Oh yeah, there's way I would rather spend six ninety nine on a digital board game app or a point and click adventure app, something where I feel like I have better control over it than this yeah it's a good concept they just did not execute it well for ios and it's disappointing so that's rusty pup at 699 it's universal and then there's super 80s world which dives into the idea that there's this mad scientist guy who wants to get rid of everything from the 80s and you play as this super 80s guy he has the mullet the headband the short shorts (laughs) and the sunglasses he's rocking the full 80s gear And he needs to go and save all of these different 80s items, whether it's uh, cassette tapes or like NES cartridges or VHS tapes, all these different classic movies, music and video games just by hopping through these levels. And the entire game is controlled with either a jump button on the right side of the screen or a slide button on the left side of the screen. And that's pretty much all that you have at your disposal. So it's a kind of action platformer game super infused into this 80s theme where it focuses more on 80s theme than any other aspect of the game. (laughs) I love the 80s content in this game. So I am a huge fan of the 80s. (laughs) I I grew up in in the 80s. I love 80s music. I love 80s movies. I loved all the 80s content in here. I just wish it was a better game surrounding all this 80s content. It was kind of a boring platformer game like it just was repetitive and not a lot else going on and it i I wish i did like that they had boss battles but overall it just was kind of a bland game surrounded by all this 80s 80s nostalgia that was really cool yeah i that's exactly what i thought you were gonna say because i know your nostalgia is like totally 80s Because you grew up with, like, you know, the stick and the wheel and pushing that around. So 80s (laughs) is right in your wheelhouse. (laughs) And I kind of missed out on the 80s. I wasn't born until 88, so I'm, like, 90s kid. But I still am aware of all the 80s stuff. And I love all that's included. You know, when you pick up the gold items, it shows you what it is. You know, it's like U2 album, Bad, or whatever. It's, uh... All these different ideas, classic video games like Super Mario Brothers 3 or what have you. And those are neat to see highlight on the screen as you pick them up. But like you said, the gameplay is just so simple. It's kind of like Rusty Pup. Rusty Pup is more bland and boring, but Super 80s World still doesn't evolve into being a challenge or even compelling game. You're just kind of going through the motions Real simple jumping sequences or sliding sequences. It's really obvious to play out. So I... 
if you don't want a super challenging game, I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily want that super hardcore platformer, but I think this goes on the opposite end of the spectrum to make it too simplistic, and I don't think the 80s nostalgia is enough to keep you compelled to go from level to level, because it doesn't really change up the formula much as you go either. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wish there were just a, more... It almost feels too rigid to the game. Like you feel like you're there's not enough movement in your character. It just it feels almost like an old flash game. Like it doesn't feel like a modern. I know it's supposed to take place in the 80s, but it doesn't feel like even like a like a 80s platform game. It just feels too juvenile almost like i don't i don't know it's tough to to explain but i I just wish there was a little bit more to the actual gameplay to really flush out the game uh rather than just having uh all of this awesome 80s memorabilia and i love those vhs tapes that come up with the the written stuff uh but yeah I don't know. I, I, I played more than I would have because of the 80s theme. If it didn't have the 80s theme, I wouldn't have made it nearly as far through. Yeah, I agree completely. And it's sad because it's so promising. It's a really great concept and idea, but that gameplay execution, I, I don't know if it's like, I understand the flow, like you said, is designed in that whole 80s arcade game, but I played 80s arcade games that are better in terms of just like platformer and kind of fluid movement through a level and just tight, tight controlled sequences to make it through. In this game, you know, you jump and then you, you don't have to touch the screen for like a few seconds, then you touch the screen again. It's never like this flurry of movements or anything like that. Right, yeah. I mean, this could be a much better game like if you had a physical controller and you were back to like the, like a... A, even like a Nintendo NES system or something like that kind of controller. This just feels with the simple two button tapping. It, there's not enough there to to keep me compelled to keep going. Yeah. And I mean, you can try other touch based games that are able to pull off touch controls. And that, I'm, you know, it's not like an excuse. Oh, I can't make complex games with touch controls. It, if you want to dumb down the game to touch controls, that's your decision as a developer. That's not the platform itself. Yep, agreed. And so Super 80s World is three ninety nine. It's Universal. And then there's Mind Sweeper Adventures, which is a puzzle adventure or 3D puzzle adventure game that has kind of elements of the room and the way you interact with the world. But then it's more kind of... It's third person, so it's a different kind of perspective. It's more kind of hands-off where you'll just go from region to region to find certain items place them into other contraptions and that unlocks sequences to go further into the game. And for me, kind of the most compelling part is the storyline. It's super subtle and simplistic, but just the idea that the doctor comes up with a formula to cure this horrible disease, but then she's infected by the disease. And so you play as another doctor who has to go into her mind, go through her memories to try to then get the access to the formula to cure everybody including her so it's just this whole idea of diving into someone's mindscape like an inception style idea but literally through their memories rather than their dreams and you get to play through it in this 3d puzzle adventure setup 
Yeah, it's more of a simplified game. So this actually comes from Snapbreak Games, who are the ones who did the Far Away puzzle games, which mm -hmm. uh, those we talked about in previous episodes. And this kind of takes a different take on those. This is kind of a mix between like the room and like a, a point and click adventure, but really kind of simplified where you don't have to do a lot for each level. It's kind of meant for like a quick play through a quick mobile game that you can just pick up, play a little part of a level or just one of the levels. There's collectible uh, postcards, which kind of give you clues to the story and clues about what maybe you need to do. Uh, I, I found it quite enjoyable, actually, it, even though it was fairly simple. Uh, you do. It's just because of that storyline, just like I like the whole polygon style of the game. Uh, and it was just like a fun little kind of simple adventure game that you can just hop in and hop out whenever you want. It reminded me of that game where you go back in time where you have the older brother and you live through that with the art style. Oh, and that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, can't remember, remember the called. name at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It plays really similarly to it where it's not going to be the longest game or the most complex game, but it's balanced well enough that you'll be compelled to want to kind of play through the entirety to see where this story unfolds. And I didn't know it came from the makers of Far Away, but that makes sense because they made kind of a simplified version of The Witness. And so this takes that core concept and then builds out this 3D polygon world to build in the same kind of gameplay vein. Yep. So it's... it's uh, free surprisingly enough but so the well, it, it it's free like to the play the first games. two levels and then the additional levels are 2.99 for to unlock the whole game i they're 199 each i'm not sure if it's a special 2.99 to unlock like a, a bundle deal but it, it's the similar setup of what they did with the far away games where they let you try the first grouping of levels in this case it's two chapters and then if you want to buy the final two chapters in in the game it'll cost you somewhere three to four bucks sounds good so again that's minesweeper adventures and then to round out the week is flippy pancake so this isn't going to be the most complex or challenging or mind-bending game essentially you flip pancakes so the game pancake is absolutely hilarious from uh I don't the one man guy who's making all those fun games. Yeah, I'm trying Philip to Philip Stonemeyer or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Stolemeyer. Stolemeyer. Yeah. So his game is super simplistic 2D. Uh pancake falls on this pan and then you try to flip it and land on a plate. And so this one takes that idea and you flip a pancake from frying pan to frying pan until eventually you line it up with people's mouths and then you try to flip it into their mouth. And the main kind of distinction is that it flushes it out into 3D. So that means when you're doing the flipping, you have to not only care about, you know, trajectory, but you also have to care about the depth of it. So you have to adjust the angle and then the power of the shot to kind of hit it on both the strength of your shot and the angle of your shot. And that's really the only change. It's like a 3D version of Pancake. Yeah, so it, this is, it's even less of a change when you look at 
for this, so this comes from Full Fat, who, who really did well with the the flick golf games. Then mm-hmm. they came out with their uh, Pop Shot Golf, which was pretty much the same setup as this, where you were putting basically holding your finger down, releasing to hit the ball from uh, little green to little green, eventually to the hole, and then trying to get it in. All they did was basically reskin that game and put it as pancake. So now you're hopping the pancake from pan to pan, and then at the end, you're, the pan is spinning, and then you have to time it to basically shoot the pancake into someone's mouth. The problem I have with this game is uh, the, the other pancake game, the Philip Stolenmeyer game, was phenomenally good. It was funny, it was and interesting. This is one of the mechanics that I absolutely hate, where you basically get one cho- one chance, and if you hold your finger down too much, then you're, you're going to shoot it too far, and you know you're going to shoot it too far, but there's no way to have it loop back and let you try again. You basically have to commit to this super long shot, and you're out, and that's it. I wish it would like loop back and kind of keep on going back and forth, back and forth. And then you were released at the time you want rather than have you hold your finger down. You know, it's going to hit this guy in the face and not go in his mouth, but you have to do it anyways. And it's just kind of frustrating because you don't get another. Well, you do kind of get another chance because they give you multiple chances, but you don't get to undo what you did. If you know what I mean? Yeah, you burn that one chance. Like, you only have the set number of chances, and you just burnt one because, like, you know, like, say you weren't even really paying attention or whatever, and you just hold the screen too long. There's not, you can't just, there's no way to cancel your shot. And I don't know how you design a game that's based on shots that you can't cancel them. Right, yeah, I wish I would just, or eventually time out, like, every game where you do these kind of things it eventually just times out or you can move your finger to time out so you're not forced to release and then you can start it over if you wanted to like i wish i would do that i, I just i i don't know if this is the type of thing i'm never gonna play again i it's so dumb at least the other one was dumb but it was hilarious and funny and you never knew what was gonna come next this, I know exactly what's going to come next. Just going to be more pans to, in a different order, and then eventually someone, a different person's mouth, they got to shoot it into. It just, I, it, nothing is compelling me to play this any more than I have already. Right, it never becomes more challenging. On the screenshots, it's like, oh, th- this looks pretty well done. It's like the pancake game, but in 3D, and there's people's mouths so you can flip the pancakes into, and... You go into it and you're thinking, maybe if I flip the pancakes into their face, there's comedic 3D animations of pancake like hitting your eye or syrup sliding down your face. They don't do any of those on if you do make a mistake, which I think would have added to the game a lot. But if you do like the style of flipping things over and over again and caring about trajectory and power of your shot, check out Bacon the Game. It's from the same developer as the original Pancake but it's now bacon, and they change all the items that you flip onto. So pancake, you're kind of flipping it over and over on a pan and trying to just get, like, the high score that you can. Bacon, they'll give you, like, a drink or the Statue of Liberty or Francis Bacon, and you have to land the slice of bacon on all these crazy different things. And just every single new level has a new crazy thing to land bacon on, and that's the one to go for. It's free. Definitely try it out. 
Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of when I when I was saying, yeah, bacon is the one you want. It, so what I did was because I, I remembered Full Fat was had the awesome Flick Golf game is I just went and re-downloaded Flick Golf. And I'm like, I forgot how good this game was. And I kept on playing that longer than I think I played Flippy Pancake. Flick Golf is outstanding. Talk about an App Store classic. Yeah, Flick Golf, Flick Golf World Tour or the original Flick Golf. You can't go wrong with either of those. Yep. And so I think that's everything for episode 99. That's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm.